0: Gave up two home runs in the game, and then immediately went on the injured list with arm issues. Not his pride. What the hell is a Jimmy Cordero? He throws 100 miles an hour. Does he know where it's going? Sometimes. book wise a pitcher how do you not mention his gigantic hands and the spin and splitters he could throw with those mitts?
1: and welcome to episode number 143 of artificial turf wars where working on victoria day is right in our contract i am your host greg Wisniewski, and i am joined once again by joshua hausam i'm back yes he is (laughs) I, was like, I love it when you made
0: the joke with the consistency, and then I was gone the next week, which yeah. I did hear you reference on the last episode.
1: <laughs> well, somebody's got to listen to the podcast, and last week it was you. <laughs> <laughs> Josh got the short straw. Um so we got some uh we got a week you know vlad was was player of the week we'll talk about that and then um little problem with him not playing on a certain day that i just referenced in our tagline uh stroman got into it with somebody else uh alex cora this time Uh then we got um rowdy Teles had a game uh, uh that we will recap for you uh ryan tapera is going to the dl we have your questions we have an, a, a very belated gold star to hand out and uh, a do-over, to an in-house do-over. We do that every so often, and we're about to get one. So, we shall begin. Um, the Blue Jays continue to be pretty lousy, I think. Is, is is that a good word? Lousy? Yeah, they're pretty lousy. All right. Uh, however, they did have the American League Player of the Week playing for them, for, for what it was worth.
0: Yeah. I mean, Vlad Guerrero is... It seems like he's finally starting to not just, you know, get better, but also get pitches to hit too. As we're recording this, he just had his first home run at home. And it was a pitch where Rick Porcello was trying to throw a fastball in and it leaked right over the middle of the plate and Vlad hit it off the second deck in center field. And we've referred to this before, this idea that, like, he was going to start getting mistakes and he has not been missing them.
1: Well, yeah, that's the key is, uh, you know, you know he's going to get them. What does he do with them? If you're Brandon Drury or you're Billy McKinney, um it seems like even the mistakes sometimes get by you but that's really not what we're expecting from Vlad and like you said he has not been missing them four home runs in a week in his player of the week week player of the week week sure, sure. why not um and then <laughs> and another one to tonight. start this game yeah so that actually gives him more home runs than uh than said uh well then and it, it ties him with Brandon Drury on the team even though Drury's had almost twice as many played appearances um and he's also walked twice as much and struck out half as much. So, you know.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's no comparison between these two guys in terms of their <laughs> pedigree. But, you know, just sticking with Vlad, because no one really compares to Vlad on this team. You know, the interesting thing, too, like in his last 10 games, which, yes, is a very random sample size, it's 10 games. <laughs> but he's got five walks and three strikeouts. And that's sort of, you know, I mean, not sort of, that is what we were expecting from him based on everything he did in the minors where he just didn't strike out very much.
1: Yeah, and we have noticed, you know, when he's not hitting home runs, he still does have really incredible bat-to-ball skills. (laughs) Like some of these pitches he's hit for singles uh, or, you know, for doubles, you look and, and, uh, you know, somebody tried to sneak one in in on his hands the other day and he he knocked it right out of the bark. It's, It's like... He he can make a lot of adjustments that most guys would just be flailing, and it seems like he gets the bat on the ball, even if it's not perfectly.
0: Yeah, he hit that 120 mile an hour foul ball in San Francisco. It's <laughs> <is> just wild. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's not facing elite pitching, obviously. You know, in San Francisco and Chicago, but you know, he was two for five off David Price, so oh, no, wait, he didn't play that game <laughs>
1: yeah. off Eduardo
0: Rodriguez. But, uh, you know, like in his first, what is it, 10 games or so, he was clearly pressing, right, because he was getting all these tough pitches, and he struggled 11 times. Since then, you know, it's been a lot better. He struck out three times. So I, I think that he's starting to get more comfortable, and obviously he's on a hot streak, so, you know, you're not as good as you are at your best, and you're not as bad as you are at your worst. But this is at least something closer to what we expected.
1: Yeah, and we were so excited to see Vlad Jr. in all of his glory uh, on a day game holiday game that a whole bunch of people bought tickets for, and he got sat down. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Uh,
0: So this we've talked multiple times, I think, on this podcast about the Blue Jays being really bad at PR. Yeah. I think this is a pretty good example.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a continuation of that theme, and there's been a lot of digital ink spilled over it. We're not the first people to point this out, and I don't want to pretend like we're, you know, some kind of geniuses to have figured it out. But the fact that immediately everybody, from fan to beat reporter to, you know, podcaster... Buck Martinez. Yeah, said, what is the logic here of doing, taking your best part of your product on the day that you can market it the best... And making it invisible, like not even DH'ing him if you're trying to get him off of his feet for a day. What like where's the communication in the organization to say, yes, there's a baseball component here, but also there is a fan component here that we're trying to sell a product? Right. And
0: I mean Ross Atkins basically threw Charlie Montoyo under the bus. <laughs> You know, saying he didn't understand. It's like yeah, he does his lineup. He controls the lineups and all this stuff. And you know, he should have communicated the importance of Victoria Day. I mean, what's really bad about this too? I mean, aside from just the insane part of not playing him on a day where it's you know it's a lot of a lot of people are going to be there, maybe for the first time in the season, the tickets cost a lot more money. It, yeah. it, it was because of the dynamic pricing. It's a high demand game. So people are paying more for a worse product.
1: Yeah. And, and if you want to collect, like if, if you want to, you want to maximize ticket sales on the days that the prices are already in high demand, right? You just want to, like, even from the team perspective, you want to sell as many expensive tickets as you can. You want to get that dynamic pricing up as high as possible. Seems like a no brainer.
0: Yeah, but I'm just saying that those people who paid more ended up right. being disappointed, but.
1: From a fan standpoint, you know, also, it's, it's bad, but it's also bad even, even from a team standpoint. It didn't help the team to to get those people to come out because now the next time they go, they're gonna the, the people who bought tickets on the spur of the moment are gonna hesitate.
0: That's what I was gonna say. These, these people paid more for tickets hoping to see this and then they're, they left, they got beaten badly and they didn't get to see Vlad. And, and look, this, it was a scheduled rest day and it's like, okay, fine, like Obviously, the the long-term future of Vlad Guerrero matters more than what happened in this game. But when you're scheduling the rest days, you couldn't look at the schedule and say, hmm, maybe not the holiday Monday when we're going to have more fans than any other game.
1: Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this team continues to say things, whether it be about calling Vlad up or about what they were going to do with Roberto Osuna or on and on. They continue to... But it's always backpedaling it's always like well a thing happened and now we have to explain why the thing was we're sorry about the thing that happened and it's it's a bad luck all around
0: yeah and andrew stoden wrote actually a really good piece on the athletic talking about this whole concept that they keep having to do this like with ross atkins comments about vlad in march it's just things that don't need to happen keep happening mm. Because they're trying to do who knows what.
1: I think that's the other real weird thing is it's it's not it doesn't seem nefarious. It seems just like kind of like oh we didn't think about that. (laughs) Like in almost every case, well we didn't really think about the the implications of saying or doing that thing, and then we already did it or didn't do it. And so, don't you have a sit down meeting about what the plan is this week? Like.
0: It's just a funny thing. This could have been a gold star, but it's not. Um, Richard Griffin, who is now the PR director of the team, took over for Jason House, put out a tweet saying, Vlad Guerrero Jr. will be in the lineup on the actual Queen Victoria's birthday, <laughs> May 24th. <laughs> just, just you know, it was a joke, obviously.
1: Uh, thanks, Rich. <laughs> you, you made it so much easier for us now. Yeah. All right, so the other PR uh he's not a problem, but certainly the other PR attention at this team tends to go to Marcus Stroman when things get slow. Um because as we've we've noted, he is he's a very demonstrative player. Last week Nick and I talked about how demonstrative he was getting taken out of a baseball game, and we're back again now we're talking about how demonstrative he was to the Chicago White Sox in the dugout, I think, maybe.
0: No, I thought that the issue was what with the the quick pitch to to Boston.
1: Okay, fair enough.
0: Throughout, that's where Alex Cora was upset, right? Right. So Michael Chavis.
1: So okay. Everybody knows Marcus Stroman quick pitches. I would think. Mm-hmm. Is this worth getting your uh, Calvin's in a knot about? No.
0: I mean, <laughs> I, uh, so like, so Chavis got upset and then Stroman and Chavis sort of got into it. And that's what I think Cora was upset about. Not the quick pitch itself, but you know, so it's, like, it's not a secret that Marcus Stroman tries to mess up hitters timings. He's done that for the last couple of years with some frequency. And this is, and I mean, mess up timing by altering his delivery.
1: Yeah, in in a, in a much more radical way than than pitch selection, like th- this is a guy who will literally hold the ball for way too darn long or not wait until you're quote-unquote ready. But according to the rules of the game, if both feet are in the box as a batter, congratulations, you're ready.
0: <laughs> right. And especially on on this on the plate appearance in question, on the pitch in question, Chavis started to step in the box, called time and stepped back out. And then he did this. Then he took, came back in and stepped in and he hit the ball. It was
1: a ground (laughs) ball.
0: So it was a little strange. And I think it was very much overblown.
1: I do think that, you know, as a hitter, I would not advertise how uncomfortable Marcus Stroman made me. Like, I think that's a poor bit of gamesmanship. Um, you don't want him to know that you messed with, like, he really messed with your head more than your actual physical timing. Because what's he going to do? What's stroman going to do the next time?
0: <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> it's just guaranteeing that <laughs> Strowman is going to, to, to know that you are susceptible to his shenanigans. Exactly.
1: I mean, yeah. So I, I think it, it is, I joked about this on Twitter, but I think it's more a reflection of how little is going on with this team you know, of any import, that that becomes a two-day back-and-forth where we get clubhouse reactions from everybody and their brother about it.
0: Yeah, That was a weird game for Strowman, by the way, too. He, he walked six guys.
1: That's, that's not the weirdest part of that game. Did he, did he not yeah. actually get run support in that game?
0: Yeah, they won 10-3. to three. He pitched six innings. He gave up five hits and six walks, but only gave up one run.
1: And they scored and a home for run, him, which is clearly what threw him off.
0: Yeah, giving up lots of base runners that don't score, and then the home run is the one that does. Yeah, wow. Well, Very odd start, but he's still well. One run through six is pretty good.
1: Yeah, he's he's having a time in uh, today and, and uh, sorry yesterday. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, in the long run we can see that Stroman continues to be overall quite consistent in his results, if not you know in his control. <laughs> that last start um yeah Yeah.
0: Uh, his last couple starts have been good again so it's you know so far it's still a very good season for him but yeah the the overreacting to him doing a quick pitch is nuts
1: moving on we move on to everybody's favorite guy to watch go deep on this team i think is probably uh roddy tellez well after vlad (laughs) well yes well i mean everything vlad does is just magnified. But if you just want to sit a guy watching just swing out of his shoes and not hit dingers, I think Roddy's just fun. Uh And he went deep twice in a game, which I thought I saw was his first multi-home run game of his career.
0: No, it's not a very long career, but... No. But Still there?
1: Uh, yeah, I'm still there. No, I'm saying no, not a very long career, but uh, again, it's, it's uh, a fun little milestone for him. Yeah, and it's weird. He's
0: actually hitting really well against lefties in the early going. Granted, it's only 37 plate appearances, but both those home runs were off of Eduardo Rodriguez.
1: Including the one and, that broke the scoreboard.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, but so this was a problem for, for Tellez, and it looked like there might be a, you know, a platoon bat risk there, especially when, he, when you consider the way he started. And last year, you know, he had 23 plate appearances against lefties and got two hits and struck out 10 times so he still strikes out a ton and you know all the flaws that we that teams talked about or or scouts I should say talked about about Telez are there but the pop is definitely there too
1: yeah I mean he's holding his own um he he is you know him and Randall Gritchuk are actually fairly close in in the way you read their stat lines and nobody's complaining about Randall Gritchuk's Overall well, one of them a center yeah.
0: fielder. Wow, true. <laughs> There's a bit of a difference there.
1: True. Um, yeah, Gritchick has more more overall talent. Um, but yeah, I mean, at bat for at bat, they're they're pretty darn close. Mm-hmm. I yeah,
0: he, tell us, it's just he, it's enjoyable to watch him play. I mean, like like you said, it's fun to see him hit bombs because he takes such huge hacks, and it's like Matt Stairs back in the day.
1: <laughs> That's a throwback name, right there our first throwback name of the podcast we'll get to another one eventually (laughs) yeah uh and then of course um we always end up on the injury front at some point do we not we we got to talk about sanchez and his blister
0: yeah i mean the nice thing about that is that he left early with the the blister issue but he's pitching in the sixth inning against boston so it doesn't seem to at least been a long-term one like his previous ones
1: yeah, I'm I'm wondering if uh, because he's had so many problems with this that he, you know, before it bursts or as it, you know, if it is flaring up in a certain way, maybe they, they do pull him earlier in a game thinking they can get the inflammation down before it turns into something that, you know, he actually has to miss a start about or that's what they're trying to do. Maybe. Because, you know, there's a there's a inflammation and then there's actually like a blister that's making a mess everywhere <laughs> huh. um yeah and he's, he's only given up two runs so far tonight uh obviously he's still got another another few pitches to how many how many pitches is he sitting at in the sixth well, he's only at 85 pitches at after five and a third so he'd probably get through the sixth inning if all goes well uh which is all you can you know you're really asking for from uh, at this point right
0: yeah so that's at least the encouraging part is that you know, it, it may not be the, what we've seen from him in the past, where it's like, oh, God, a blister, and he's out forever.
1: hmm And no suitcases this year, so he's even better. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the other injury, would you like to tell the, the nice folks who we've lost?
0: <laughs> you mean the listeners? We've lost the listeners in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan Tapera gave up two home runs in the game and then immediately went on the injured list with arm issues. Not his pride? (laughs) No. (laughs) Well, maybe both. (laughs) You know, he's going to see a specialist for issues in his elbow, and, you know, he started the the season off injured, and I I think that it's hard to – I mean, this might be an extreme overreaction, but – given the way things have gone for him this year i don't think we should be counting on much for brian to going forward
1: no no it's uh it's a kind of hold your breath situation because i mean pitchers do break a lot and I mean, obviously we've seen that this year with the entire starting rotation save the uh sns brothers uh having missed time <laughs> i don't think uh i don't think that's surprising i you know, and Tepera has gotten a lot of use over the last couple of years. Yeah,
0: uh, you know, especially in 2016, he he was, or no, 2017, he was leaning on very, very heavily. So, and he's already had Tommy John surgery in the minors. So, you know, the Tommy John ligament is supposed to be on borrowed time from the second you get the the surgery. So, I'm not saying he needs it now. It's an impingement, but he's at risk
1: Uh, impingement is one of my favorite injury words by the way oh okay well that's nice get an impinge he's impinged can i impinge upon you sir (laughs) (laughs) all right (laughs) (laughs) uh just messing with you all right so i think that is the week that was but you know i have a tendency to say that and then you go oh one more thing so this is your chance to say one more thing (laughs)
0: No, I mean, it's just just to continuing the Tapera thing, Jimmy Cordero was the guy who was recalled. It was funny timing. He was recalled and Ben Revere was released. Jimmy Cordero was one of the people traded for Ben Revere in 2015. That's uh, odd. Yeah.
1: All right. So Jimmy Cordero, welcome to the Blue Jays. And uh, we're going to come back and take all your Jimmy Cordero questions right after this. <laughs> And we are back after a cursory mic check, which may or may not have included the phrase check, 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 the rhyme being said by one of us. I'm not going <laughs> to reveal that. What I am going to reveal is that we're going to answer your questions.
0: Time now to hear from our listeners. That just seems silly.
1: Here are the rules. First, I ask a question, then you ask a question. Now, how does that sound, sweetheart? Could you repeat the question, please? And that last little bit is from where
0: it's from the west wing
1: <laughs> see there we are things i did not know that i do now know that i could not answer appropriately uh I'm glad you're back day. man i'm glad you're yeah. back <laughs> what what would i do without you muddle through that's the answer <laughs> all right we got a first question from zach meyer at zach b meyer uh who will have the better full rookie season Danny Jansen or Vladdy I think this is a pretty easy one (laughs) this seems like a trick question like is there something he doesn't know
0: um well this was asked on May 19th so I think Vlad's hit two home runs since then maybe um
1: yeah it's Vlad
0: (laughs) I I don't think this is anyone who really thought it would be anyone other
1: than Vlad Danny Jansen need to find an extra gear to have a better season than Vlad.
0: Yeah, I mean, Jansen had the head start and didn't do anything with it. So now that, you know, like Vlad's ahead of him offensively already. So I don't think there's any chance that he's going to, that Vlad, that Jansen is going to catch up to him.
1: All right. L, which, uh, at L No, Yelly. you skipped one. Oh, I, so, sorry.
0: From the Vladito comment <laughs> at split letters. How can I, I leave that? Yeah, it's frustrating your fan base the new market of inefficiency.
1: Uh, I think you probably have to do a poll amongst uh, all the tanking teams, but um, might be on to something. There there may be some unseen financial boon for doing it because surely uh, it's being done very well by the Blue Jays.
0: <laughs> it's funny you, you made that tie with asking the other fan base. Clearly teams think it is the, the inefficiency because that's where there's all this tanking happening.
1: Yeah, now we just got to figure out
0: Wow, yeah, of course. Also, the, if everyone's doing it, it's not an inefficiency, <laughs> the inefficiency is being good. Wow, well, yeah, that's huge. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, okay, so what yeah. else we got? Uh, we now got... You can ask
0: L's question. All
1: right, L at Ellie Yelly Heart, and uh, welcome to the questions portion of the program. I, I suppose. I was expecting this question to be prefaced with long-time listener, first-time
0: question. I'm glad it wasn't. Read the question, please.
1: Are there any young bats who you think are going to step up their performance the rest of the season or have been unlucky this far because their uh, Team WRC of 76 ties them for 34th worst since 1920? That's pretty bad. Yeah, capital B bad.
0: So players that I think are going to get better... Yeah, I think there are definitely some. I think that Brandon Drury is much better than this and has been. We've talked about this a few times on this podcast, but you know, he even in his major league time, he's never been this bad.
1: So the, the guys who are really dragging that number down, who are still on the team um, at the moment, are let's see, Luke Melee with a twenty-three WRC plus.
0: But that's Luke Mele, so you know. No,
1: he had a year at like zero, which is remarkably hard to do, and then he had a year at like above average, I believe, last year. Now he's back to twenty three again, but he he doesn't get that many plate appearances.
0: I mean, it's it you know if we're just talking about guys that we think are going to improve, it's it's got to be Jansen and Drury at the top of the list, right?
1: Yeah, I think you know if Teoscar Hernandez gets back here, I don't think his fifty WRC plus that he's sitting at right now is is a fair assessment of his talent either.
0: Oh, yeah, he got sent to the minors. We didn't talk about that, but he needed to go down to work on it just like uh, Lourdes Goriel needed to go down and work on it. And by the way, both those guys coming back up could be helpful to, his overall to this overall offense of the team.
1: Yeah, if they're right, they're, they're both, you know, uh, I would think slightly below average players or average players in that zone, not half of league average like they both were before they left.
0: Right, I mean, all these guys we've seen them do better and the best predictor of future performance is past performance and we've seen them play well so therefore they can play well i mean obviously that's very simplified but i think they can at least play better than unplayable which is what these players we've all just been mentioning have been
1: and in that vein justin smoke is probably the other guy who you're looking at who could actually make a a much bigger impact on those numbers um than he is currently because he's just above average at a 109 wrc plus yeah
0: and if you look at sorry about that if you look at smoke i mean the the walks are still like very very good he's got 35 walks already this season and you know i think it's 35 strikeouts as well yeah so you know that's a one-to-one strikeout to walk ratio for a power hitter typically leads to Good numbers, but his batting average on balls in play is one is two thirty eight, and that's just <laughs> extremely low for him, especially with how hard he hits the ball.
1: Yeah, I don't think anybody's that slow either.
0: Well, yeah, he's really, really slow.
1: Um, ball her at baseball. Her asks Vlad? Th- that, Vlad. that's it. That's the question. The answer is Vlad. Uh, I. The answer is also absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> um. <sighs> Back to split letters, and uh, we're, we'll we'll double this up with uh, Brandon Panikar at Panikar37's question. Uh, so first, um, do you see any pitching prospects making a splash in the bigs for us before Nate Pearson, who everybody knows is the next big thing, uh, gets here? Presumably not until next year at the earliest. And then Brendan asks, does C. Diaz or Patrick Murphy have a chance of starting a game at the big league level this season, considering they're on the 40-man and nobody in Buffalo is worthy of a start at this point in time?
0: Yeah, so <laughs> Brendan kind of answered the question <laughs> with his question <laughs> because the I, I was looking at the Buffalo guys and they're all performing really, really poorly. Um, if we're going to talk about someone that would be in Buffalo, I think Julian Merriweather, when he finishes his rehab, would be the first one that gets a shot. I think David Paulino also, is, despite the fact that he's been terrible in AAA, he has major league experience, and I think he'll be up at some point. In terms of... Actual impact, though, I think it's Diaz and Murphy among starters, and Jackson McClellan probably as a reliever because these are the guys that are doing really well in the minors, and they have the pedigree. So those are the guys that I think will be up before Pearson, and I do think we could see Diaz and Murphy in the bigs in September. I I wouldn't guarantee it, though, just because of service time shenanigans, but I think they'll be up. I think there's a good chance we'll see at least one of them.
1: Do you think the Blue Jays, because this came up and I believe Gregor Chisholm described the situation as an embarrassment when they literally had nobody to start a game the other day. It um,
0: happened last year, multiple times. Yeah. Tyler Clifford and John Ashford were starting games and the Jays were not using an opener strategy.
1: Yeah, so is this an ongoing embarrassment or is this just the way of things when, you know, the team's not competitive and it's not really worth it to try and pad the depth in the minors with some uh filler arms well no but i think that they
0: tried to i mean everybody keeps getting hurt though that's the problem
1: they also keep signing guys with high injury risk
0: sure i mean that's that's definitely true but you know at the same time the the guys in the minors were supposed to be better than they've been like, they thought that Sean Reed Foley wouldn't have a 7.5 ERA in AAA, <laughs> or that Wagusback would be at 5.3. I mean, these are guys that they thought would do well in the minors and and be ready for depth. Instead, it was Ryan Firebend.
1: Yeah, we haven't really talked about Firebend and his lefty this either, have we? No. he's
0: And by the way, Pannon is reliever starter mix injured. So, yes, but Firebend <laughs> is... I love the knuckleballer who we've talked about with the great nickname.
1: Closing time.
0: That's right. <laughs> Quitting time. Closing time. But yeah, it's a goofiness, and he was p- terrible. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it,
0: is into, it is what it is,
1: dude. That is new nickname is p- terrible.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, you know, so uh, it's it's not been has not been very well. But Clayton Richard should be back next time through, and that'll be the reinforcement. So they just got a lot of injuries and some of them were fluky like matt shoemaker's injury even though he's injury prone shouldn't that kind of injury is not expected
1: true enough you can't uh you can't bank on torn uh lower halves in pitchers that that's just random right so Zahir at Zeroid asks if you were inexplicably tasked with making a movie about the 29 J season which i cannot say what the, the attendance would be certainly lower than the victoria day attendance for the entire run of this movie what would its title be josh
0: you can take the first crack at this one i've been answering all the questions
1: um hmm. Uh, a tale of uh ground ball city
0: (laughs) oh that's a gripping
1: title as is this season so far (laughs) um uh and 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 there went the arms no um
0: (laughs) just steal from game of thrones and call the prince who was promised uh okay because it'll all be about vlad there'll be nothing to talk about the season other than vlad (laughs) so the movie will just be a documentary of vlad's trip through the series (laughs) through the season
1: that might be actually watchable everybody else is a supporting character This guy named Vlad. That would be the title of the movie. (laughs) The Jays 29th. Not even... We're not even going to put the Jays branding on it. Just his face. Perfect. Vlad to see you asks a question. At Vlad to see you. Is there... Back, this is back to our question about why Vlad sat on Victoria Day. Uh, is there any chance that Atkins actually recommended to Montolio that Vladdy play on Victoria Day without telling him the, quote, importance of it? Otherwise, Ross's throwing of Charlie under the bus was pure sad, arse covering. And how the heck did Richard Griffin miss this?
0: OK, so the Richard Griffin part... He has no impact on the lineup. There's nothing he could say that would do anything. That's not his job. His job is to deal with the media.
1: Right. And not- and Richard Griffin certainly is not in the loop on a day-to-day basis about who's coming or going or anything else.
0: Right. He probably found out that vlad was in the lineup the exact same time that everybody else did when it was posted in the clubhouse. Yes. As for Atkins, I don't think he did. I don't think there's any chance he recommended him into Montoya that Vlad go in there, because then he really would have thrown him under the bus if he had.
1: Right. He would have said, I I said to him for sure this was, you know, something as a priority. But he didn't.
0: Yeah. No, I I think that, it. I think it played out exactly as Atkins said it played out. It just played out horribly.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, again, Charlie Montoya is a rookie manager you do have to maybe give him a little slack on that front. Okay. Moving on to the department of things that we hand out around here, and we hand out gold stars first. I think that's rather brilliant. So I did good, right? I mean, I would have thought you'd get a gold star. You enjoy that. You've earned it. Yes, and this is probably the furthest back in time we've ever gone for a gold star, though I did not know we were going back in time when I initially suggested it. From R.J. Anderson. From R.J. Anderson. um, He pulled a Jim Leland quote from an article back in 2007, and that article quoted Jim Leland from... 1996. 23 years? Yeah. So... We've been having a lot of chat about all the people uh, and the juiced ball and the effect it's been having on this league and home run. So in 1996, Jim Leland said, you can't tell me the ball isn't juiced. I've never wanted to give into that theory before, but Quilvio bleepin Viras, I don't care if you throw it in there 84 miles per hour or put it on a tee for him. There's no way he should be able to hit a ball that far to the opposite field. I'm stronger than he is for heaven's sake.
0: <laughs> so of course Kilvio Varis, but yeah. Kill
1: uh, of course, the problem uh in 1996 was not that the ball was juiced, was it, Josh? No, it's that the players were.
0: <laughs>
1: so <laughs> But I the guess, sentiment is still still fits. Yeah, so you could put uh anybody and you leave the bleeping in there. Um but you know, I've never wanted to give into that theory before, but scooter bleeping Jennet. Um or how about Eric bleeping Sogard? There you go. <laughs> I don't care if you throw it 84 miles an hour or put it on a tee. It shouldn't be happening.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, as we talked about two podcasts ago, Sogard has already eclipsed his career high in home runs.
1: Doing nothing observably different. Nope. Like, it's not big, beefy Eric Sogard that's showing up to the ballpark every day.
0: No, it's Eric Bleep and Sogard should not be doing that. <laughs> uh,
1: we have Josh Bell out there. Uh, he's, he's improved. He's got, what, he's 16? A big,
0: He's a big boy, though. I mean, Josh Bell was always supposed to do this, so I don't think he's a good example.
1: <laughs> do we have anybody hitting less home runs than we would have expected who isn't, say, on the Toronto Blue Jays?
0: Oh, okay, because I was going to say Justin Smoke. <laughs> <laughs> Miguel Cabrera's only got one, which is really weird.
1: It is a strange time, but mostly it's it's guys with warning track power that are seem to be clearing the warning track a whole lot more often than you would have thought. Yep. So take your gold star, Jim Leland, and uh, buy yourself a pack of cigarettes with it. Because uh, some, some things about little guys hitting a ball too far never change. Amen. Now we have to go back in time to last week for this. Oops, you said the quiet part loud and the loud part quiet. <laughs> but what if you could do it all over again? But what I really meant was... So I guess you should hand this out
0: first off i think you should have played the strong bad do-over again just to really go through the whole system
1: <laughs> Do you want the strong bad do-over
0: no it's okay <laughs> <laughs> so last week you and nick were talking about Kawhi, and you thought i'd want to move
1: on yes i yeah. did i honestly this is my surprising thing is that the do-over isn't stop talking about Kawhi leonard
0: no i said you should have gone more into depth Kawhi <laughs> could bring to the game you were talking about Kawhi as a pitcher. How do you not mention his gigantic hands and the spin and splitters he could throw with those mitts?
1: I, I don't know. It's it. It's, I'm, and, I'm not the pitching guru you are.
0: And also, but he, but also, first base, the guy can jump out of the gym. Think <laughs> of the home run robbing that would happen at the dome. Like he could easily get up over that ten foot fence. I'm just to learn say, nothing.
1: Is a basketball rim not at ten feet? It's ten feet. That that is a fascinating idea. Having a guy who could who could regularly dunk, actually play deep in the outfield, and see what he could do with that. Like, how many home runs could a guy rob in a season if if his NBA dunk his his dunking ability was at NBA level?
0: Right. So Kawhi Leonard, if he's not pitching, should be playing center.
1: All right. And you talk to his knees afterwards.
0: Well, load management still (laughs) still (laughs) exists.
1: Uh, it's artificial load management wars. <laughs> it's our new podcast. That's what
0: you should have named your basketball <laughs> podcast.
1: <laughs> uh, next time I rename it when the when the Raptors win the NBA Finals and we pretend that the Blue Jays don't exist, it will be uh, there'll be a load management reference in my my title.
0: So, are you going to take your do over? Which will be the first time it's ever happened in the history of this podcast?
1: Yes, I will. I think that uh, Kawhi Leonard should play. The center field because of his uh, home run robbing ability vis-a-vis his uh, NBA quality dunking skills.
0: All right. We will never mention it again. Sweet. <laughs> Off the hook.
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, given how easy it was to take that particular do over, I would encourage everyone else who's been offered one. Just, just think a little longer about it and get in touch with us because, you know, they're not time limited things. <laughs> No, they're really not. All right. So Considering I'm gonna... this
0: happened once in the, how many years have we been given to ours? Four years. I think there's an unlimited statute of limitations on these things.
1: Exactly. So I'm going to, uh, first of all, encourage people to go to www.patreon.com slash turf Check us out there, perhaps donate a dollar a month or something like that. If you feel like, uh, we offer you up something of value. Uh, if you don't feel like zooming over there, you can always go to iTunes, uh, and you can, uh, slap a star rating on the podcast, uh, uh, we like fives, but I mean, it's totally up to you. And a comment is no, always helpful. Really?
0: Yeah, just I think fives.
1: that might be against the terms of... Pot- anyway, Josh <laughs> wants fives, officially, whatever number you like. <laughs> uh, but it helps more people find the podcast when there's more ratings and comments. So if you like what you hear and you want other people to find out about it, you can help them find it that way. Now I'm going to move on to the part where I ask you for a final thought.
0: Yeah, so my final thought is... It's just, you know, we're talking about the pitching depth on this team. And Trent Thornton has been better lately. I mean, he's he's got a couple of five walk outings, but he's still getting a ton of swings and misses in the last couple starts. And he's limited to three runs allowed in 11 and two thirds, you know, against the Giants and the White Sox. So again, not exactly world beaters, but you know, he held Texas, who's been very solid to a shutout over seven. I think you know he's going to have his ups and downs like this, but. The arm is at least showing – he's at least showing that he's a p- potential major league starter that should actually be in a rotation of healthy pitchers as opposed to just, my God, we need someone to throw the ball. Here you go, Trent.
1: <laughs> I think the fact that, yeah, I mean he's had a, a, certainly a lot of opportunities to show that is uh, is more about the team than him, but he certainly isn't wasting them as the season wears on here.
0: Yeah, because you know, we had questions before after he had those that stretch of three rough starts in a row. It's like, oh, gee, does he need to go down to the minors? What's wrong? Is it the lack of rest? Is it all kinds of different things? And then, you know, in the five starts since, he's got a 3-1-6 ERA and given up nine runs in 25 and two-thirds with 24 strikeouts.
1: Uh, My final thought is uh, I had uh, a hashtag for a number of years starting in 2015 um, when the Blue Jays would score nine runs. I would send out the call and many people would retweet because nine runs is a magical number. If you score that many every night, I do believe you're going to the World Series. I'd like to thank the Blue Jays these last week and a half, I think, for giving me the first two opportunities all year to tweet nine runs. (laughs) Hashtag. I feel like it's not going to be happening a whole lot more. So I'm going to give them the shout out now. Uh, Just in case it's uh, a little while Before I get to do that again Uh, Maybe people will get back on the bandwagon If they actually start doing it, I'm not sure Yeah Anyway, that is uh, All we have for you this week So uh, you Have been Joshua Housem At Joshua Housem And I have been Greg Wisniewski At Coolhead 2010 And this has been episode number 143 Of Artificial Turf Wars and we'll talk catch in next week.